All right, let's dive in. Um, my name is Joshua Kagan. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, I hope to get to do so someday soon. Uh, but I get to serve here on the uh, teaching team at Shine, and it's an honor to get to do that, to bring God's word this morning. I'm a chaplain, a local chaplain in the area. Um, but I love, I love, that's a great understatement to say that I love God's word and getting to share God's word. So, Lord, please give us a hunger and thirst for your word. Ah, and Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're going to speak this morning and how you're going to move. Um, what, is, what is the greatest commandment in the whole Bible? Shout it out. All right, we are all on the same page. Yay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Matthew 22, Mark uh, I think it's mentioned in, in all the Gospels, is it? In all the Gospels? I don't know. At least two of them that I remember. <laughs> um, we've been talking for a bit about how God transforms us, how Holy Spirit transforms us. We studied Holy Spirit uh, at the beginning of this year and, and for a long duration of time. And then we've been looking at how he literally transforms us. And last week, DJ brought us into this transformation um, element of of joy, what joy, what rejoicing really means, what joy really looks like. Um, and how God transforms that joy in us because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. That's just the reality. So to the degree that you're walking in joy is to the degree that you are knowing and close to God in his presence. That's kind of the clearest way, I guess, you could summarize it. Uh, so, we're, so we're reaching after this joy, but God transforms this joy in us. And this week, I have the privilege to talk about the topic of love. How God transforms our love. I would say, I could probably make a great argument that there is like no greater topic uh, like in society and in the world, right? Like the, the theme of every movie, the theme of every song, the theme of every book, right? Like to some degree, you can make a great argument that like love is, is the premise. Love is, is what everybody's searching for. Love is what, what the world wants to know and wants to grasp. It's... And as you read the Bible, I could also make a great argument uh, for the reality that, that the, the theme of the Bible, first page to last, is love. Uh, I could make that argument, and I know there's other arguments, but I could make a really good argument that, that love is uh, in, in some way what defines God. In, uh, in, in John chapter 4, in 1 John chapter 4, we see that. Actually, I'll read that real quick. First um, John 4, let's just read it. I'm gonna set up a foundation here for what we're going after. Beloved, I love that. God just starts with like, you're loved, let me talk to you. That, that's how he, he, endearing term. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, that's some pretty weighty realities about love, all right? Uh, let us love one another. Everyone who loves born of God and knows God. So can we, can we at least agree that if love is, if God is love, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, for love is of God, we can all agree, right, that you can't actually know love outside of God. Do we agree? Based on those two verses alone. You can't know love outside of God. 
literally, literally your definition, our definition of love and our encounter with love and our experience of love has to find itself in God and in relationship with God, in definition by God. Because, and I say that only because, there's a lot of s- stuff out there. I just mentioned all the movies, right? The, the thesis, the, the theme is love. All the songs, I don't care what song. You know, from rap to reggae to country, I, like love is the thing. But there is a lot of twisted views of what love really is. Love in my estimation, and again, I could make a great argument, is the most perverted, twisted, uh, misconceived word in the English language, maybe, maybe as a characteristic and as a reality, the most twisted and perverted reality out there. And I believe the devil does that on purpose because it's the greatest power uh, that God has instituted to transform lives, and, and if God is love, then this is what we're supposed to encounter in God to transform us. And so it makes sense that the devil has taken this word and just twisted it, and the definition, like, is that love or is that lust? Like, you, you're using the word love, but you're defining lust. You're using the word love, but you're defining infatuation. You're using the word love, and it's, it's interesting how love has been so twisted. And so we're gonna go after, I could spend probably 10 years every week studying the topic of love and never touch the end of it. Um, And so I realized that this is the most massive topic and I have like 40 minutes, 30 minutes (laughs) to try to at least do my best with whatever the Holy Spirit's given me uh, as we dive into this topic and ask, God, do we really know your love? Have we encountered your love and am I being transformed by your love in order to transform the, the world around me through love, because this is how you will know they are my disciples, by their love for one another. This is how the world's gonna be transformed. And I'm thinking of this scripture too, also in 1 John chapter four. Uh, I think it's verses 11, yeah, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. No one has seen God, but if we love well, they will. They will see God. They'll experience God. And we have to love one another. Okay, but what is this love, Josh? What is this love? Well, we can go to 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you guys know that's the most like love? All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage. And, and there's a big definition there, and I encourage you to study love through 1 Corinthians 13. Um, this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth, who obviously had a lot messed up and jacked up. I think Mark mentioned that last week when he was doing communion, leading communion last week. Like, the church at Corinth was really messed up. They, they had a lot of issues, yet God still called them beloved, and he still called them his church. And he was working out his love in them. And so he goes after 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to I wanna start... Again, we're still laying the foundation about this aspect of love. He goes through all these gifts. You guys can use all your gifts. You can do all this stuff for God, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into this. He says, let me, let me show you a better way and the most ultimate way uh, when it comes to our, our worship of God and our love for one another. This is the ultimate, beyond using your gifts, beyond all the things you bring to the table. Uh, we need to love and we need to encounter love, and we need to be loving. 
That's really more of a state of being. But he says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 2. 1 through 3. Though I speak with all the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body even to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So I want to, in this foundation that we're laying, really concrete the reality of, I don't, I don't care if you're, if you have the most awesome worship song of all time, if you sing with the most beautiful voice, the voice of an angel, if you speak all the languages, I mean, he has some pretty extreme realities here. If you give away all your goods to the poor and you even, and you even offer your body to be burnt at the stake for the name of God, I mean, like, these are extremes. If you have all the faith in the world, like more than Jesus to move mountains, but have not love, you have nothing. You've gained nothing, you've produced nothing, and he literally says, I am nothing. <sighs> that's pretty intense. Aren't, isn't that a little harsh, Lord? I mean, that's kind of harsh. I mean, he, he, but he wants to draw out this reality that often we grade ourselves on like, well, I'm doing really good, Lord. Like today I kind of got a C plus in serving you and worshiping you and, and I kind of like did this really good thing. I, maybe give me a B minus in how I treated my spouse or my kids. Or God's saying, no, look, in love, well done, my good and faithful servant. Outside of love, zero. There's no B plus or minus. There's no C. It's a zero. It's not just an F, like you failed. It's a zero. It's like mission incomplete. You didn't turn in the paper. Do you understand? There's no rating system. And you say, well, but I'm not perfect. I know, me either. This is why God's love is so amazing. Because we just, and our whole mission is to get to know God and get so close to God and become so intimate with him and his love that his love more purely reflects through us and hopefully touches and changes people by God's grace through his spirit and his power alone. But our goal is to sanctify ourselves, to purify ourselves, to humble ourselves so that his love can shine more purely through us. Because without love, we are nothing. And I want to sit in the weight of that, in the reality of that. There's no grading scale here. Without love, it accomplishes nothing that God intended. So, in that, I want God's word. God's word is like a and God's word partnered with the Holy Spirit is like uh, going to the doctor. Going to the doctor. How many of you guys have ever seen a, um, um, what are they called? Uh, organic doctor who just like, holistic, holistic. How many of you guys have seen the holistic doctor? You've gone and, and gone to a holistic doctor, or maybe you are a holistic doctor in here. I love seeing holistic doctors. I love how you, you walk in there and they're like, they're not trying to give you different medications. They're just trying to see where your deficiencies are at in what you're supposed to be eating and how you're supposed to be exercising, right? Here's your vitamin levels. Here's your, your fat levels. Here's your carb levels, all this stuff, right? They're just trying to evaluate this stuff and not give you medicines, but try to get you healthy. I love that. They're a little expensive and my, I'm just saying, I've been to one once and there's a reason for that. Uh, but I love 
I love their strategy of like, let's get healthy. Let's realize there's some deficiencies in your life and we need to look at where you're missing things that you're not eating correctly, you're not drinking correctly, you're not exercising well, you're not sleeping well, because God created your bodies to function in a really healthy manner and created your bodies to heal themselves and created your bodies, and it, the way that he created it, it's beautiful. If we would just take care of ourselves, right? Eat right, uh, have the right nutrition. So we're gonna go into, into God's word in Romans chapter 12. Turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. And we're gonna use this passage just letting Holy Spirit be the doctor. And we're going to see, whoops, where our, how do you spell vitamin? Vitamin, is that right? Yes, I'm the worst speller of all time. And that's awesome. Where we have a vitamin L deficiency. And L being love. All right? We're going to look at where we have a vitamin L deficiency this morning. And I I pray that uh, my goal in, in one aspect is to get you to, first of all, hunger and thirst for God and then hunger and thirst for his word because it's in his word where we can go through and see like, Holy Spirit, where am I deficient of your love? Where is my love perverted? Where is my love out of placement with your love? Where is my love fake and out of alignment with your love? Like, I think I'm loving well, but God, tell me and show me if I'm loving well because my love is nothing if it's not through and by and for and in God's love. God is the only one who can define love. And so I'm up here to show you and, and myself oh, what God's love actually looks like. And it's going to be really convicting. And I, need, I have a long, long, long ways to go. Uh, I praise the Lord for this opportunity, but I don't praise the Lord for this opportunity. Because when you study something and God says, hey, I want you to preach it and I want you to teach other people how to really wrestle through whether their love is aligned with my love and if they're really experiencing me the way that I intended them to experiencing me, that means you've got to dive deeper and the more you know, the more you know that you don't know and the more deficient that I see. And last night after I preached this, my wife and I went home and like, yeah, your love, my love. Okay, yeah, we need a lot of growth. <laughs> we have a long ways to go here. So praise the Lord for his infinite mercy, his unending love, all right? Praise the Lord for his grace. We are just asking the Lord to be more purely defined by and controlled by and motivated by and empowered by his love, his love. Romans 12, chapter 12, verse nine is where we're gonna look at our definition where Dr. Holy Spirit is gonna say, is your love on this side or this side? Here's where your deficiencies lie. Now this is, I want some mic holders, if we have some mic holders to run around. This is what he says when, when Paul is writing this letter to the Roman church. In verse nine, he starts with this comment. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Let your love be genuine, some of your Bibles may say. So I wanna pass around a mic right now. Just with that right there, tell me some stories or testimonies, keep it short and brief please so everybody can have a chance, uh, about where you see this definition of love, where you've seen it or encountered it. In other words, somebody's love was fake. Somebody's love was hypocritical. Maybe even a testimony where your own love was fake or not genuine or hypocritical, right? That word hypocritical in the Greek is like the word for a theater for somebody who would wear a mask in a theater. Like you're two-faced. So where has somebody said something but they didn't live it. 
where has the expectation been here, but the reality of somebody's love, it didn't show up. Tell me about fake, non-genuine love, because the first command in this passage is let your love be genuine. Anybody raise your hand and tell me, like, what does it mean to, have, to be fake love? Story or meaning or definition, what's it mean? Love, fake. Love, not genuine. Love, hypocritical. Yes, right up here. Hi, real quick. Um, through actions, not just words. Yeah, yeah. I see a lot of that across the board. Okay. Including myself. Yeah, amen. All right, so your words don't match your actions. Great definition of non-genuine love. And you can share a story or share a definition like that. That's great. Uh, the Bachelor. The Bachelor. All right. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Keep the mic there. I've got to get more of this revelation right now. Tell me, tell me where love is fake and not genuine. Tell me in that situation. Because there's a lot of people I, in here who love that show. I've really never seen it. But I just, oh, okay. just, just the previews, you know, it's like, is Rhonda going to pick Tom? It's like... <laughs> Are they really in love? Like, probably not. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's, okay, yes. A great illustration of where media maybe portrays love and it doesn't at all align with what God's word says love is. That's awesome. Yes, back here. I'm Kim Zish. Um, what I find in the business, I'm a real estate broker, and um, I'm finding out that as, as a listing, if I have a house to sell and the buyer's agent comes to me, it's like, I love you, man, right? That's how it starts. <laughs> and then I kind of fall into it being a nincompoop, and then it just is like, oh, my gosh, I should have never fallen for that because they just took me down this terrible path. Oh, and it's yeah. like, I feel like God is trying to teach me to be wise, to be really wise when you are, you know, starting out this process and someone comes and they don't really say, I love you, man, right? But, yeah. but yeah. you know, it's the actions that like, I'm going to bend over backwards for you, right? It's oh. all fake. Yeah. Sadly. It's so sad. My wife has come home uh, probably on three or four occasions from a store and just feeling sad, feeling like nobody cares about her, right? We all have those moments. She's at home with four kids, not a lot of adult interaction, like just needing some encouragement, right? And she comes home because she was at the store and, she, and she's like, man, I had this like glimpse of hope because somebody in the store stopped me and said, oh my gosh, I love your you know, kids or your purse. And then like started to act all like really generous and really loving and really kind and asked her all these questions. And it was all they had like a five minute spiel of like how to act caring. And then it was like, will you sign up for my pyramid scheme thing, right? Have you guys encountered that story? And maybe some of you guys are that person. I bless you, I bless you. This is why we're diving into God's word today. But my, my wife came home so shattered because she's like, finally somebody cares. And it was a scam. Oh my gosh, rip your heart out, that's real. Oh, I have one real oh, quick, and that yes. is um, leadership. So I was initially going to say politicians, not not all, but yeah, like some, right? Sure. Just a, a percentage, whatever that percentage could be, that obviously curry favor and try to shower yeah. 
yes. potential voters. And I, then I thought pastors is a little closer to home because <laughs> yeah. I yeah. is one. Um, and just that idea, you know, whenever you're in a place to benefit from others following you or trusting yeah. you, I think is that very real possibility of loving people or not loving but pretending or yeah. from a false yeah. uh, motive. So That's a great word. It's a lot harder to genuinely love when there's a possibility of retribution, uh, yeah, gain from it. That's a great word. I'm Maddie. It kind of goes along with your story of Laura, but um, motive, I think you can discern motive of love. And so there's love when you love where you're being loved for gain, like personal gain yeah. um, versus love that's selfless and genuinely like costs you yeah. something. Um, yeah. so. That's a good word. That's a good word. Yes. Years ago, I used to do things for people just to get them to love me, and that's not the purpose. Mm -hmm. And God has changed me, thank God. <laughs> that's so good. But it was a growing process. Yes, yes, and amen. I've been there too. Do any of us have, like, fear of man or people pleasing or, like, try to get people to... I'll, like, I have both hands raised. Oh, I just want to be loved, man. I just want everybody to love me. Yeah, I get it. I've been there. Oh, I'm the most guilty. I, I have two interesting thoughts. One is um, if you ever see or, uh, some of the folks that had a uh, near-death experience uh, years ago, I had some like that when I had two open-heart surgeries, but they say that uh, they were totally encased in love, and uh, which I, I find interesting. But the other uh, thought I had is like, like, I love animals, I love dogs, and it's not like a fake love. It, and your dog doesn't, like, give you a fake love in return, mm -hmm. you know? So if you think about that, uh, you don't have to think about it, but it's instant, and it's not fake. Mm -hmm. and, and, and return is not fake. And maybe there are some dogs that kind of fake their love to you. I don't know. But anyway, just kind of, <laughs> I'm out-of-the-box <laughs> thinker all the time. So. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe your pets genuinely love you. Maybe they just want to treat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good thought, though. It's a good thought. Thanks for sharing. Thank you guys for sharing those realities. Um, the biggest issue, that's a, that's a big statement, but maybe I could say it. The biggest issue in the church today and the reason the world doesn't come to Jesus is because the church's love is, is fake. It's fake. I think if everybody was experiencing genuine love of God, they just they couldn't run from it. They would have to be engulfed in it and have to say, yes, Lord. But there's not a lot of people running to church when they're hurting. There's not a lot of people running. Uh, it's just reality. I'm a chaplain. I serve about 1,100 people a week in different companies that are mostly non-believers. Um, and they're even very, uh, they're very uh, hesitant towards my service to them because I come with some religious or spiritual background and already that's like, oh, that's gonna be a fake love that's gonna be somebody try to sell me something or I'm gonna become their Jesus project or they're gonna to try to get me to come to their church and sign up. Like there's gonna be some price tag attached to it, right? And a lot of people have been hurt by Christians and, and not by God. I, I just mean that we as Christians have a long ways to go to experience the fullness of God and walk in the fullness of the spirit so that people can experience genuine love. We're all in the same boat. How many of you guys, oh, do we have another one? Oh, okay. Come on. Um, I just think like loving someone for like what they have isn't great because I've seen like cases where like someone's friends with someone because they got something and then they don't have it and then they're not friends anymore. Wow, that's, that's good. Yikes. 
all right, we can all go home now. And that's, like, that's convicting though, isn't it? What am I getting out of this? That's a good word. Um, what does it mean for our love to be, to be genuine, to be God's love, to be defined by God's love? We're gonna go through, and this is gonna be kind of quick, so I'm really just teaching you how to look at God's word. I'm not, I could spend uh, hours and hours on each one of these topics, and I have like 20 of them that we're gonna list right here to see where our vitamin L is deficient. Where is my vitamin L deficiency? Because to the degree that I am nourished in the love of God is to the degree that people around me are gonna experience and see and feel God and be transformed through his love and by his love. So I believe Paul gives us a list right here that we can just go down the list and say, am I deficient on this or on this? And so first of all, Genuine, what's that, that first slide, if we'll put that up? Real versus fake, all right? You guys just defined it. Where's your love at? Where's your love at? Is it real? Is it fake? Um, let's just start there. You guys defined what real love is, and, and whether it's fake or whether it's hypocritical. You guys did an excellent job at that. Um, is my love, let's sit here, and you cannot judge, and we just gotta start here too. We cannot judge other people's love. How many of you, have ever loved genuinely? You've loved somebody genuinely. Okay, excellent, praise the Lord. How many of you guys have ever loved somebody fakely? Your motives were wrong. Okay, we're all in the same boat. How many of you have ever received genuine love by somebody, genuine? All right, all in the same boat still. How many of you have ever been ripped off by fake love or been treated with fake love before? Okay. Now that we're all on the same page and realize we have a long ways to go and a lot to experience in the Lord, which is the journey that we're on in Jesus. Let's start there and realize we're all in the same boat. Don't judge somebody else's love. We are only judging our, ours, our own love. We're looking at our own deficiencies. Number one is, is your love fake or real? Number two, uh, verse nine, if you're looking at verse nine with me, let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. All right, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. We're actually gonna put passionate versus passive. Sorry, that's a P, not an R. All right, is my love passionate or is it passive? That's crazy that the first thing that comes out after he's defining genuine love is whether you abhor and hate evil or, and cling to good. These two words that he uses, abhor evil, hate evil, be disgusted with anything that's not in God's love, that's not defined by God's love and his holiness, do you abhor it? Or are you passive? Are you passive? Because a lot of people, a lot of people out there think that it's loving to just be oh yes, I accept everything you are and everything you do and everything you want to do because I love you. I'm telling you, and I'm here to tell you in the, in the power in the name of Jesus Christ that that's not love. It's not love. And the reason America is in the situation it's in today is because 30 years ago and 50 years ago, we were passive towards sin and evil. We laughed at it. We made it into comedy shows. And we thought, man, if we can just laugh at this and kind of be passive towards these things, you know, just make it less of a deal, maybe it'll just kind of go away. And now we're seeing the fruit of that. 
the sin, the evil that we tolerate right now, the next generation will instigate, the next generation will propagate. The sin, the evil that you tolerate in your own life or in others' lives right now, and you just become passive towards it, someday will be propagated as this is norm, this is beautiful, this is awesome, and if you don't receive my sin, then oh, shame on you. We are a very passive community as far as the church goes, and I speak this over the church because I speak this towards myself, where we are passive towards sin, we are deficient of love. So are you passionate about hating evil, not hating people, hating evil? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. I didn't say passionate about people. We're not hating people. We're hating the sin in them that's deficient. They're just deficient of God's love. That's the reason they're walking in sin. That's the reason we act in sin. That's what the definition of holiness is. To the degree that you embrace the love of the Father, you won't walk in sin because you realize that every sin is just a deterrent from God's love. That's what sin is. It's the choice to choose some deficiency, some perversion of God's love. It's just a lie. Right? When I think, when I think lust is love and the, and the devil lies to me and says, here's where you'll find real love, and I believe the lie, I am just deterring from God's word and from the truth, and I'm not saying yes to God's love, I'm saying yes to a lie. That's all that sin is. It's just believing a lie, and it's just a deficiency of vitamin L. That's all it is, all right? So are we passionate towards hating evil and taking a stand against it, and passionate for what's good? What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about good things, or are you just kind of like, ho-hum about everything. Well, I don't really care to stand up against Neil, but I don't really do much for good either. I just kind of watch TV. <laughs> I'm being honest. I want this to be convicting because it has to be in my own soul. All right? Passion, a zeal here, or passive. Number two, verse 10. So he says this, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. This word love here is a different word love. It's not agape, to give oneself charitably, but it's the word phileo, right? Brotherly love, genuine companionship. So friend versus foe, how's my love doing now? How's my love, where am I at? Where's my deficiencies? Is everyone a brother? created in the image of God, do value and honor because God created them, period. I don't care how they act. I don't care what they do. Do you treat people like a brother? Do you treat people like a brother, like a friend? Or do you have legitimate enemies in your life that you wish would die or you wish would go to hell? If your answer is yes to the second, you are deficient in Jesus' love. If there's somebody you wish would die, if there's somebody you're spiteful or, or vengeful against, if there's somebody you wish would go to hell, if there's somebody you think deserves hell, and I mean that in the sense that I know we all deserve hell because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but if you in your heart want them to go to hell, I'm trying to get to the place 
And I think Jesus is trying to get us to the place where we look at the Hitlers of the world and say, man, they're just deficient of God's love. If they could experience God's love, he wouldn't have done what he did. He wouldn't do what he, what he did. I don't care. You put that person, whatever person it is that you wish would die. <sighs> Let's check our hearts. Where's our vitamin L deficient? Because God wishes that no man would perish, but everyone would enter into his kingdom. Every single person would experience the salvation and love of the Lord. Where's our vitamin L? All right, verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Preference versus pride. Preference versus pride. Where's my love? Do I prefer everybody over myself? Do I elevate everybody and wish that they would have the best? Do I honor them with such honor and such respect that I, I treat them as a king? Because they're actually created by the king himself. And in one sense, Paul even talking to these unbelievers in the book of Acts says, we're all children of God. In one sense. I know not everybody's saved. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the inerrant value of honoring the human life because it's human life because God created everybody, and everybody's worthy of honor. So preference versus pride. When you pull into Walmart, here's the check, here's the practical check. Are you excited and praying, Lord, please give me that front row spot because I don't want to walk all the way. Lord, I just need to, please bless me. Or is your request, Lord, please help me park as far away as possible so that somebody can get that first spot because I prefer them to have the best spot in the parking lot. Lord have mercy. Is my response when I pull into the Walmart parking lot, Lord, please help me find that spot that has all the carts left there so that I can pull in and I can push the carts back by myself to bless Walmart and bless the people around me who are going to come into the next spot? Or is your response, Lord, who could leave a cart in the parking spot? That was going to be my spot. Come on, I'm getting sarcastic, but I'm getting real. <laughs> Preference versus pride. Is it really about you or is it about others? Is your love really about you or is it about others? We've got to ask this on a deeper level. Are all of my thoughts and intentions always just to honor and elevate everybody else around me? Because God would do that. Or is my goal in life to truly honor and elevate myself before others and then hopefully with the leftovers they can have some? One thing I do love about Christian culture is when I would go to any of your homes and like eat. This is awesome. This is universal across America. Like, if you go to a Christian home uh, for dinner, tell me, tell me you guys have all experienced this. There is always a little portion of the best thing left in every serving platter. Like, nobody touches the last of the mashed potatoes. Nobody touches the last piece of pie because we all want everybody to have the last piece. Like, we hate taking the last piece, and I love that. I affirm and encourage you guys, way to go. Like, don't touch the last piece of pie. Give it to somebody else. That's just a fun little cultural thing that I love that we do well. Like, serve everybody else first. Make sure they get the best piece. Uh, but that's got to go a lot deeper than, what, than just the piece of pie. Amen? Here we go. Uh, preference versus pride. The next one. Where are we at in time? All right, we're doing all right. Uh, be kindly affectionate to one another. In brotherly love, in honor, give preference to one another. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence. Man, we have never looked at these topics 
and defined our love by them before. I don't know how often you've done that. I have not done it often enough. This is, this is real love. Are you heartful? When God says work heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, when he says, whatever your hands find to do, do it heartily with all of your might as to the Lord and not unto men. I'm asking you in all of your areas of life, do you give it heart? He literally says here, do not lag in diligence. If you are lazy, you are deficient of love. If you are lazy, you are deficient of love. And I'm not judging your scenario because I don't know who's lazy or not. I don't know your situation. If I walk around your house, uh, I don't know that the, the fact that you have all these weeds and you don't take care of your vehicles and you don't take care of your, your stuff, I don't know that that's laziness. Uh, we gotta be really, really, really quick not to judge because uh, maybe somebody's medically hurt and they don't have the capacity to care for themselves well. Maybe there's, there's some other things going on. I'm never gonna judge your laziness, but you have to judge your laziness. Are we lazy or are we diligent? I think real love, genuine love is diligent. That's what he says. It's in the Bible. Do not lag in diligence. I, I just want to be diligent to, to pursue the things that God's given me, to steward the things that God's given me, to steward the way God has made me, to love people effectively. And I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be lazy. And we can do really practical. I, I know God and the devil use the term legalistic <laughs> and it gets twisted, well, you can't tell me that I can't watch two hours of TV today. I can't tell you that, but Holy Spirit can. And he might say, you're being lazy. You're not being diligent. There's, there's more that could be effective and there's more ways that you could love better. But sometimes, man, Holy Spirit's probably telling you, dude, sit down and watch four hours of TV. You haven't sat down <laughs> in three years and you're not being diligent to take care of yourself because look at, your mind and look at your mental status and look at your health status. So I'm not here to judge specific things. I'm asking Holy Spirit and you to go after this. Am I being diligent? Am I being lazy in any areas of life? The second half of verse 11, be fervent in your spirit and serve the Lord. Do you serve self or do you serve the Savior? Are your actions and your motivations for Jesus or are they for yourself? This was just brought up a second ago. Are my motives for loving because of what I can get out of it? And is this self-serving? Or do the reasons that I love my children and the reasons that I give my best to my wife or the reasons that I give my best to the coworker who's really mean to me, because I actually serve the Lord, I'm not serving them. I'm serving the Lord. I don't work for them. They don't control me. Jesus and his love controls me. I work for Jesus and his love. His love is my master. They are not my master. The way they treat me is not my master. Love is my master. Jesus himself, for God is love. And so all I'm gonna do is produce love because I love Jesus and I'm doing it for him. It's not for me. Can you imagine Jesus? Like, just, just look at Jesus for a second. Can you imagine with the hoodlums he hung out with for, for three years, the disciples? Well, you know, I've given so much to you guys, and like, what have you given me? I, you haven't cooked nothing for me. You haven't given me no money. You haven't, you know, all you knew is run away, and here I am on the cross, and only one of you sitting here, and you know what? So give up. I'm getting off the cross. Because you all betray me, and you speak, and you don't trust me, and you keep sinking in the water all the time when you're trying. I'm just trying to teach you, and I'm just trying. 
Never could you see Jesus' attitude like that. Because what did he say? I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what the Father is saying. I'm only led by the Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus' only motivation was a love out of serving God all the time. And when that's your motivation, watch how unstoppable you are for God's glory. But when your motivation is propelled by how other people treat you and by the response that you get, then your love, I believe, is self-serving. Because it's about, and, and you can test this when you're getting burnt out, when you're getting like fried, I just can't keep going. Well, test and see if the reason is why is because you're not getting enough in return for what you're putting out. Because if you're getting everything you need from here, you have endless put out here, right? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, Isaiah 40, 31. They will run and never grow weary. They will walk and never faint. So to the degree that you're growing weary or growing faint and your heart or in your mind might be a vitamin L deficiency, that somewhere in this relationship we're, we're missing something. So Lord, would you increase my intimacy with you? Would you increase my understanding of your love? All right, a couple more. Not lagging in diligence, verse 11, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. The next one, are you optimistic or pessimistic? Oh, Josh, you didn't go there, did you? Like, that can't be part of love. It is according to this passage. Are you an optimistic person? Are you rejoicing in hope? This doesn't mean you're, like, we, DJ just talked about it last week. It's not that you're weirdly, like, oh, I'm so hopeful and clown-like all the time. No. Like, joy, do you just believe for the future? Do you hope the best? For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. I, I promise you he wasn't laughing and giggling uh, going through the crucifixion. But yet he rejoiced in hope and he went all the way to and through the cross. Why? Because he saw the other side. He saw that he would rescue and save all of you who he loves. All of us who he loves so deeply. So I'm going to endure through the hardest. I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to stay on the cross. I rejoice in hope. I am hopeful that they'll believe someday. Even though after three years, these knuckleheads left me and there's only one standing at the foot of the cross still believing, John, my disciple. By the way, the one who says the most beloved of, of Jesus, his most beloved disciple, and the one who talks about love the most in his gospel, I think he had something. We might want to read John a little bit more. I think he figured something out because he was the only one standing there. But for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured some pretty hard stuff. He, he hoped for a better day. He hoped that people would believe. He hoped that people would be touched and healed. And for those of you who are more pessimistic, well, this is never going to change. Well, that person's never going to change. They just don't like that. Vitamin L deficiency. Oh, sorry, pessimistic. Vitamin L deficiency. You've got to keep hoping. This is what God's love does. Read 1 Corinthians 13. It never gives up on hope. It always hopes. Always. So to the degree that you're pessimistic, receive the love of the Lord this morning and get some hope. For people that you think are hopeless, you look out there in the culture and you're like, well, this is hopeless. You look on the news, oh, those people are hopeless. They'll never come to Christ. Watch out. Your love is a little deficient of God's love. May we always be rejoicing in hope. In verse 12, second part of verse 12, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, all right? 
Are we patient or short-fused? All right, patient, short-fused. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Like, where is our vitamin L deficiency right now? If you're short-fused, you haven't received the fullness of the Father's love yet. I don't care in what area of life you're short-fused. Literally, in 1 Corinthians 13, what is the first element of love mentioned? Love is long-suffering. It's patient. First and foremost. And literally, in James chapter 1, uh, the Bible says, like, find joy in your trials because it's working out your faith and testing your faith. And when your patience and your long-suffering has endured, you'll be lacking in nothing. I, th- I think maybe the ultimate definition of love is just long-suffering. The people who can suffer the longest and stay in the fight. They're just faithful. That's God's love. You know what? You messed up a thousand times today. Guess what? You wake up tomorrow morning. God's like, I love you. And you mess up a thousand times today and you wake up tomorrow morning and God's, I love you. The reason you're messing up is because you don't know that I love you and because you're not walking in my love for you. You don't understand my love for you. There's a lot we gotta work out. But the reality is, is love never ends. And it's not short-fused. God is slow to wrath and slow to anger. He literally says, be slow to speak, but quick to listen. All right, where's our love deficiency? Because love gives us endurance and gives us patience. Here we go. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Are you prayerful or are you worryful? <laughs> are you prayerful or are you anxious? All right? Prayer, anxious. To the degree that you're anxious, to the degree that you're fearful, to the degree that you worry about things in life is to the degree that you do not know God's love for you. Because if everything that God said about you and if all of his promises are true, what do we have to worry about? Jesus even said, what does worrying add to your life? Just consider the birds. They don't work and labor and toil, and yet God provides everything for them. Consider the flowers of the field. They radiate with more glory than even Solomon did, and yet their glory's gone tomorrow, and God has a purpose for them. So God has a purpose for you. He's gonna provide for you. He's gonna take care of you. And to the degree that you worry over prey, you may have a love deficiency. You may have a love deficiency. Vitamin L. Uh, Verse 13, distributing in the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Uh, We could keep going through this list. I think we're just gonna leave it here. There's literally six more verses of this. Go through this list at home. Generous versus stingy. Are you generous or are you stingy? (sighs) Oh, Lord. Where am I generous and where am I stingy? Where are you generous with your time? Where are you generous with your money? Where are you generous with your words? Where are you generous with your mental capacity to listen and actually care? Or where are you stingy? You know what? It's for me. My listening time's for me. My money's for me. I don't wanna spoil people. You look at God and you look at the way he spoils us and the way he's lavish. You go pray anytime you wanna pray. Go on a prayer walk. He'll listen to you for three hours straight tonight. He will listen. Find one other person who will do that. It's hard to find. His love is so amazing. And to the degree that our love starts to align with that, with our generous spirit versus a stingy spirit. I can go through this. I want you guys to to grab the notes online. Grab the notes online if you can. I'm gonna finish with this. There's a million more slides, but we don't have time for them all. God's so good, amen? 
and I'm just a little bit or maybe a lot a bit more aware of how deficient I am in vitamin L this morning. And that's okay. Because this is, this is the journey. This is the journey that God's given us to walk with him. And literally, here's Ephesians 5. I want to leave you with these verses. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Be intimate with God. See and, and define your love through his love and his definition of love. And then just imitate him to the best of your ability as dear children who just love our Father and love his love and want to reenact it, want to imitate it, want to be the best version that we can be in Christ. And then Ephesians chapter three, I want to actually bless you guys with this passage as I pray us out. Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 20. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. A verbal thank you is, is just so, falls so short of what you're worthy of, Lord, because your love is so, it's so perfect. The standard of your love is so beyond our reach, Lord, and I, I feel like we just grasped that reality this morning, that it almost seems like impossible to love the way you love and to, to be aligned with your definition of love seems so hard. And I guess that's the point. Lord, would you love through us? We surrender. We're not good lovers, and we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to define his love in us. And we need you to empower us to love the way you would love. And we need you to redefine the term love in our hearts so that people around us could be healed and be healthy, and be encouraged, and be built up, and be made whole, and literally find the salvation of Jesus Christ. Would you help us love like you loved, Lord? We love you so much, and we praise you for your infinite, endless love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.